From the iHeartRadio studios in New York City, come two diehard fans of the greatest rock and roll band hailing from Hollywood, California. Dissecting all things Guns N' Roses and anything else in their distorted minds, it's Brando and Scotto. And this is Appetite for Distortion. And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 33. Patrick Ewing number. If you're not from New York, you don't care. <laughs> Frank Ferrar is from New York. That's a GNR connection. My name is Brando Scotto, comma, Ian. I don't know where he is today, actually. I did tell him I was recording, uh, but I think he's just flexing in front of a mirror or something. <laughs> so, with us today, we'll decide if he's going to be a bad apple or not. Oh, nice. Well, bad apples are what we can, are referring I... to as our listeners, I guess. Oh, okay. Because you're from Long Island, so Opie and Anthony had their pests. Okay. So I'm like, all right. You know, Lady Gaga, you know I'm a huge Gaga fan, has her monsters. <laughs> so I got my bad apples. Okay. See, my, see since you uh, last saw me, Joe Rock, my sense of humor hasn't gotten it any better. <laughs> I ain't that the truth. <laughs> so uh, episode 33, before I introduce uh, my friend slash guest, Joe Rock, uh, a little bit of uh, shotgun news. News. You know the song Shotgun Blues, yeah, Shotgun gotcha. News. We're in a secret location today because uh, Joe and I used to work in radio together, so we're in a secret special location. So he's actually behind the board, and I'm uncomfortable, but that's okay. Uh, so Guns N' Roses uh, still on tour, still kicking ass. But in in the news, and I want to get into that uh, with Joe, was it's been this tour, this not in this lifetime tour, has been remarkably well received. This uh, this third leg coming back to to North America and. You know, you would think they're a very easy target, especially Axl Rose and uh, all the fat shaming out there about him and all the, the, the memes. I mean, you know what, though? I'm watching the uh, the Chester Bennington thing last night and, you know, talk about bullying, and it's just like, it doesn't end. It doesn't, you know, people don't care at the end. It's just until the next rock star kills himself. Sorry, to start, <laughs> started the show off like this. <laughs> oh, but there was an article, because it was played in Cleveland, by uh, Chuck Yarborough. Okay. Is there a... Isn't there like a Chuck Yarborough? Isn't there like a Fox 5 New York guy? Chuck Scarborough? No, that's yes. another guy. He, he, there was a news guy in New York, okay. Chuck Scarborough. Okay, no relation. Uh, wrote for the, the Clevelander or the Plain Dealer. So basically, it was titled, uh, One Man's Reach uh, Should Exceed His Grasp. Note to Axl Rose, frontman for Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, Guns N' Roses, that cliche does not apply to vocals. And he just basically writes, uh, uh, writes in, in a very scathing um, article about how poor in and out Axel's vocals have been, which has been kind of a, a subject for quite some time. And, you know, again, with all the reviews uh, that have been going on that have been positive, this negative one really stood out. Mm-hmm. So I do want to get your opinion, Joe, because you've seen Guns N' Roses twice on this tour. Yes. Once in Texas, one in Madison Square Garden, right? Yep. We were at the same show, but you did not, you know, say hi because. Uh, Actually, no, you did. Sitting right in really good seats. <laughs> I know. Actually, Joe is the one. Actually, the second one that offered me floor seats, mm-hmm. and I couldn't go because I I was working. Or no, I already had tickets that day. Yes. Yeah. So, fuck my life. I could have had two opportunities to buy because I was like, I spent like 150 bucks on these handicap seats, and you're offering me free ones. I'm like, ah. Who knew it was going to happen? Who knew? And then who knew I would have had another opportunity to get the sit, uh, you know, front row again? I blew that. And I suck at life. <laughs> 
<laughs> and you also saw them like way back in the day. Yes. All right. So that's kind of what I wanted to start with way back in the day. Because when I, we, we first started working together, yeah. I mean, I really can't hide the fact that I'm a huge GNR fan and you're a huge Springsteen fan. Yes. And uh, I do want to say a shout out to Jim Rotolo, our buddy. Uh, it's his birthday today as we're recording this. Oh, nice. Yeah. we rec- He was one of our you know, first few guests on the show. Yeah. Jim and I are like friends on Facebook, never met, but, you know, Lover Springsteen will connect people, as I'm sure. You have people around the world who are listening to, to this podcast and being like, GNR, I connect with these guys. So, Oh, for sure. And we've compared to, and this is something else you can bring mm-hmm. up, what other, despite vocal performance... <laughs> what other performers out there doing a three-hour-plus show other than Springsteen? Yeah. Right? Especially at that age. Right. So that's something we spoke about with Jim. And if you want to listen to some uh, you know, cool Springsteen axle comparisons, which we will certainly do again <laughs> here, because you, uh, especially from a musician's point of view, yeah. which we'll get into as well, uh, Jim's episode was number 19, if I remember correctly. I do remember that, because I'm looking right at it. I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> so Joe Rock, I assume, is not your Hebrew name, Right. Uh, no, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> Are you allowed to? I know we all have my, my My real name is uh, never been given out in public and never will. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> well, I mean, we know Axl Rose is. I mean, Joe Rock sounds cool. Yes. So I'll you. stand, you know. <laughs> uh, so Joe and I, you know, met a few years ago uh, doing radio together, became uh, BFFs. And I want to know, because what I like about someone who's, don't take offense to this, please, okay. someone who's older than me. You know, I'm 34. Okay. I, I woke up to act, uh, precisely six gray hairs in my beard yesterday. I plucked them out. Because it doesn't even look good yet. If it's I not, did that with mine, I would have nothing. No, none. Because it doesn't look good, though, for me yet. Because it's my beard is so dark, so the random ones just look like I ate like frosting and forgot to wipe my face. You know, it just doesn't look good. Uh, so I like when, whenever I, I work in a new station or... You know, just in general, I, want, I like you know war stories, for mm-hmm. a lack of a better phrase. You know, obviously, radio isn't really fucking war. I'm not going to compare it like that. Uh, but where people came from, because right. I know I've literal blood, sweat, and tears. Not like the Valley Girl. Oh, literally, like no, <laughs> literally, I bled, <laughs> cried, like, everything for this yeah. business. Uh, but you had an interesting story because, again, you're older than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you didn't start in radio. No, I started actually as a, well, to me, my connection to music was as a musician. I started out at 16 years old. I was a drummer in a band. So let's start there then. So was the path to radio through music? Uh, No, the path to radio to me was vacation. (laughs) (laughs) I went on a vacation. I'm going to a horse farm. Oh. And I flew in and I get on a, a van from the horse farm that's taking us over there. So along the way, we stop and we pick up a guy at the train station. He gets on the, in the van. We start talking. He works in radio. He works in radio in my hometown. We start talking a little bit more, blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, we spend a week together at this horse farm. We go back, oh, and, wow. I'm like, and I'm like, dude, I'm going to come visit you at work. And I do. And you guys yada, yada, yada a week together at his horse farm. It's, uh, it's uh, not like it's uh, not like that. <laughs> it's just not a sentence I heard before. No, we were on vacation. It was a horse farm. You know, people are down there with families and stuff. You run into each other because it's it not a big thing. It's too weird of a sentence to <laughs> and not interrupt you. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, but, you know, we got back home. I, I came to visit him at the station. And at the time, he was like, you know what? Uh, I got this, uh, you know, I got this metal radio show and I need a new producer. And I'm like, dude, I've never worked in radio, but I'm a musician. I know how to work soundboards. I'd love to get into this, so if you could give me a shot to do it, I'd love to do it. And you're born with a radio voice. 
Like when uh, I first met you, yeah. I'm like, I fucking hate you. You just like, you know, ask for a cup of sugar and you just like get like an endorsement deal. <laughs> I sound like Fran Drescher's <laughs> nephew, Mr. Sheffield. I have to be funny to compensate for my shitty voice. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> well, it was one of those things, man. It was like when I was in high school, people were like, oh my God, you should go into radio. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was a great thing. And then, you know, I was, you know, I was a fuck up and took me a long time to get my shit together. And when I finally did, I got into the career I should have been in when I was, you know, a teenager. Weren't you a postman? Didn't I? Yes, I did deliver mail for a while. Okay. That's the dark years in my life. Did you listen to rock? Well, uh... absolutely, without a doubt. Man. So what were you listening to? Uh, along the way, it's, you know, you go back and along the way, there's so many different styles of music. Uh, you know, I was into a lot of the really good punk bands, uh, the Clash, the Ramones, uh, you know, my all-time favorite is Springsteen. I've seen him live over 250 times. 250 times? Yes. Oh, my God. Well, you have to understand, when he would play around, like, perfect example, when he when he first toured for Born in the USA, played uh, in Jersey right across the river from New York, Brendan Byrne Arena at the time, which is now whatever the heck they call it, I don't even know, it's changed names so many times, <laughs> did 10 shows in a row. 10 shows in a row, they announced 10 dates, they went on sale, boom, all 10 sold out. Hmm. And I would go all 10 nights. That's incredible. So it doesn't take that long to amass 250 under those circumstances when you've been seeing somebody since, you know, you've been seeing somebody since the late 70s, early 80s. You know, it's now 2017. Right. (laughs) You know. So then you, then for you to start at Springsteen, you know, for you, who's Mm -hmm. your messiah, who you saw doing 10 shows in a row. Yeah. To, when was the last time you saw him? I'm assuming his last tour. The right? last time I saw him, it uh, doesn't really feel like it was that long ago. Right. Um, actually, it was it was just over a year ago. It was August of last year. He did uh, a bunch of shows at Giant Stadium. Yeah. And uh, traveled over to Jersey and uh, and took in one of the shows. At the time, it was the lo- it was the last of the stand. It was the longest show at that point that he'd ever done in the U.S. It was over and four hours long, over- with no break whatsoever. Okay. And to give you an idea, just how much music the guy has, the first hour and a half of the show, every song he played was over forty years old. And what? <sighs> I mean, that's. Okay, that's going to be one comparison we got to yeah. talk about. Then with the no breaks, Gino doesn't take breaks either. Right. But how long are the instrumental breaks with the E Street Band? Um, they they do a little bit of jam in here. They don't never really get too long. But then the other thing is is this that you have to kind of understand about it. And this I'm gonna you know, Bruce doesn't leave the stage. Yeah, he doesn't do costume changes. Right. Yeah. He comes or out whatever axles he plays, that. and that's yeah. We'll we'll just refer to them as costume changes. <laughs> I mean, he does. Well, it, right. Because I mean, that, but that's one of the but that's one of the things you know. I you know Bruce has his tight the, jeans on. One of the, on one of the big differences to me from '80s GNR to 2017 GNR is the costume changes. It's like it it used to be we come out and we do a show, bang, here we are. Now it's like. Every couple songs, Axel's going backstage. Let me change my jacket. Let me change my hat. Let me change the flannel shirt I have tied around my waist. But it's didn't like, he do that though in the eighties? He was uh, n- not. Well, you have to understand. Is like they didn't start out as this big act. Well, nobody they had does. to work their way right. They had to work their way up to right. it. So I was able to see them. Like you know, when did you first see them? Uh, when did they open for the Stones? <laughs> I can Google that now because when Joe and I first met. Uh, well, that also sounds. Did we also meet on a horse farm somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you would you would tell me, and well, I think this was interesting. I was made fun of a lot, for, mm-hmm. well, in general, yes, but I mean, in, in for about Guns N' Roses because I usually would uh, work for uh, classic rock stations. Yeah. I mean, GNR being a classic rock band, but I'd always be the youngest. 
And I think there was this weird cutoff with G and R. And, you know, you said, uh, I, I don't know if I would see them. Maybe if I got free tickets. And sometimes we're lucky in radio to get free tickets. Yeah. I mean, I I was lucky and I got very close uh, to Axel DC through, uh, mm-hmm. you know, through a station. Yeah. Well, you know, this is, this is what the deal is. It's it's an age thing for this reason. Now you've only read about it; you didn't experience it, right? When you, when you're listening to these bands and 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 they're that could be part of it, you know. And you got a band like Guns N' Roses, and they start out, and all of a sudden shit starts to happen when they're on tour. There's a riot because one night Axel decides, eh, you know, I don't want to go out on stage yet, and then people are standing in the audience. The first band's ended, and it's been two hours, and you haven't come out yet, and right. people are getting restless, and stuff happens. The first time you look at it, you're like, your first reaction is going to be like, wow, what a dick. What the hell was that all about? And then it's like, oh, some guy is taking a picture of me in the front row. I'm going to jump in the audience, and I'm going to punch him. And, know, th- right. and then he fires everybody in the band. He gets down where he's the only original guy. It's like, look, I look at bands like... Leonard Skinner. Mm-hmm. There's one original member left in the band. As far as I'm concerned, it's time for them to change the name. I agree. And I think I if think they the, just went the crew to- just said didn't uh, Nikki Six just say that about their uh, record with um oh my god why am I forgetting his John Karabi? Yes, that it should have been released under another name. Right. So I was like, wow. But you know what? That was three quarters of the band. No, no, you're right. <laughs> this is this is the difference. And you know what it was is that everybody looked look. When you're a fan, and I'm sure this happens, if all of a sudden tomorrow something erupted between all the members of Guns N' Roses, and they were like, screw it, we're done, the tour's over, you're going to pick sides. You're going to hear somewhere in there, you're going to pick sides. Mamber's dad, you know, uh, did, right. which, which uh, side did you pick, Halen or Roth? What side did you take, Halen or Roth? You know, from Airheads. Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> For me... It's Hagar. Just saying. Really? <laughs> they sold a lot of records after Dave left the group. I'm a hey, I'm a Sammy guy. Team Sammy. Wow, all the you're way. get a lot of emails after this episode. <laughs> I see. The thing is, I like both versions. I still yeah. consider Dave the version, but I still like the Sammy version. But the fact you prefer that is well, I look at very, it for different. It's America. You're allowed. So, so here, I'm going to tell you something <laughs> that's going to really fry your mind. I uh, down the hall from where we are now <laughs> in our secret location. Yes. I stood in a room one night with Gary Sharon. Okay. And Gary Schroen was asked if Eddie Van Halen is a dick. And he said, no, I'm not going to say that. He goes, but I will say this. I'm one of only two singers that was in Van Halen. Mm. (laughs) And I have to agree with him. Because one of the things, and we're going to get into this because of the article that you were referencing from Cleveland, is that David Lee Roth is not a schooled singer. No, he's like a, you know, Vegas show toony, but he's always been like that. Right. Sammy Hagar... Just turned 70 a few weeks ago. And he killed it. I saw the guy live, and he's amazing. And he's still doing everything in, like, the same keys. Mm -hmm. And Michael Anthony, who's playing with him from Van Halen, playing with him now in the circle, his voice, he's hidden stuff that he recorded over 40 years ago. Yeah. And his voice is better than Sammy's. And I'm like, you know what? They should have made Michael Anthony the singer of Van Halen <laughs> when they started instead of Dave. Yes. Uh, well, they started the band. So whose fault was it? And you're not going to have a front man like that. So, I mean, that's another argument. I always, yeah. I, I've said that, you know, David Lee Roth isn't Pavarotti. And a lot of fans ruined that, that last Van Halen tour for me. I'm like, I enjoyed it. I had never seen them, ever. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not going expecting Celine Dion fronting <laughs> Van Halen. It was entertaining, you know? And uh, it was 1989 uh, okay. that, that you, you did go. It's a shorter set. 
I mean, they come out, it's a shorter set. They're not going to fall apart. There's not time to be like, oh, we're opening for the Stones. We're going to run off and do costume changes. Like, when you're the opening act, it's like, boom, you got a half an hour. Maybe you got 45 well, minutes. Hit it and quit it. There's a few There's a few points uh, here. Because I know you're, I'm not going to take offense. I know you're not an avid yeah. listener of my Guns N' Roses podcast. You have better <laughs> things to do. Uh, but uh, we have spoken about the fight before, and that's something that is so infamous. Everybody yeah. knows about it. And we've gotten, you know, what we believe is the real story behind it. Mm-hmm. And- you know, whatever that is, which I'll get to just in a second, nothing excuse like jumping off a stage and just punching somebody because that's, an, you know, and I've been there just with my own anger. You know, you can be pushed so far. It's up to you. No one's responsible for your own actions yeah. but you. Uh, but that, that photographer was hitting women, hitting kids. You know, he was warned. Uh, none of the security wanted to get him away because he was also a security guard. Like, uh, So it was like a bunch of shit. He was just being a, like a fucking asshole. Yeah. So there's part of me to be like, maybe an Axel's position with my adrenaline would have been wrong. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I that like that infamous also um, Sebastian Bach stage dive, the fucking <laughs> M Bison, whatever you know, kick or whatever. Or well, the, I better the, not the talk about. Kick. I better not talk about Sebastian. I don't want to get another Twitter war with him. <laughs> D- Sebastian, you got because I know he got in Twitter well, wars <laughs> with uh, William Shatner. Uh, now he's getting it when, which is fine by me. Uh, Trump, Trumpsters. He's now he's getting political though, which I don't go to for my political news. Uh, but you got into a Twitter war, yes. Sebastian. Well, when he got married the last time, yeah. they were selling tickets to his wedding reception. Um, are you what? So I did a tweet. Yeah, you could buy tickets to his wedding reception. I know that's cool or sad. So I did some tweets and some Facebook posts in regard to it, and. Of course, tagged Sebastian in the post, and he was like, you fucking dicks, you guys know you're 30 years, and you fucking talk about me like this. We're not selling tickets to the, to the wedding. We're selling tickets to the reception. Oh. Oh. I see I see the difference. <laughs> oh, whatever. It's not, it's not worthy calling you a fucking dick. Well, I don't know how much you've dealt with Sebastian, but, you know, he tends to not to mince yeah. words. So he came after me. So I responded to him immediately. And I'm like, listen, dude, if I got the story wrong, how about you let me interview sure. you and we'll get the story right? Fuck you, no. Okay, <laughs> we're done. Ah, <laughs> uh, Sebastian. Savage Animal, dude. That's a good name, bro. Savage Animal sound clip. Uh, I've... Close. Hopefully he will come on the show, because when he was in New York doing his uh, his book tour. That's uh, as long as you don't play him this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Oh, because he'll listen. Uh, but so, I mean, like, I get that part of it. So there mm-hmm. are real reasons. And the lateness, you know, that's something that he hasn't done for a very long time. And I get. Oh, absolutely. Right. So when you're doing that, and it's, I guess, if it was like the first show, like when mm-hmm. he came back, when the last time I saw them in Madison Square Garden prior to the, just a few weeks ago yeah. was in 2002 with Buckethead. Okay. And if they were late, then, because no one had seen him, yeah. then it could be expected. But when the tour's been going well, and the weather, it's not even just like in my view, but I'm going through uh, Facebook, all the comments, it's been so overwhelmingly positive, especially, and I know it's one of the sites you look at when you, when you research your morning show, uh, Blabbermouth or you know, a bunch of other yeah, ones. Yeah, I take a look at that, absolutely. Yeah, one of many. Yeah. And that's, but that, I mentioned that one because that, that comment section is just a fucking cesspool. You know, everything is gay or stupid. It's like just a bunch of beefs and buttheads. Yeah. And there are times where there's a Guns N' Roses one out there, and there are people who just saw the show and how amazing and this and that. Yeah. so positive. And that's what this fuck. not to sound like too much like a hippie, but that's what we need now. That's what we need now. When you know, 
All you need is love. A little bit. Da, 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 da. I just seeing so many like fans happy. I tweeted out yeah. a, a video or Facebook. Not fucking matter. There's a Facebook the video this morning on our uh, at the AFD show of a mother daughter at the concert. Daughter's mm-hmm. got huge cans on because it's too loud, but she's singing along. Make with sure it. you're saying headphones so you can explain when you say the daughter's got huge cans. You're saying headphones. Oh my god! Just making sure. I did. It's a radio thing. That's so. F- <laughs> oh my god! I'm gl- I'm leaving that in because I pointed to my fucking ears. Too. That, thank you for that. I would have listened back and did something. Thank you. The daughter has huge headphones on. Because <laughs> it was like a fucking seven-year-old. Wow, my God. Uh, so the daughter has huge headphones on, uh, dancing and singing along next to her mm-hmm. mother, the sweet child of mine. And it's so cute. Yeah. And then, you know, this fuck face, uh, what's his name? <laughs> Chuck uh, Yarborough. That's to... Like, uh, just saying, though, Rose's uh, consistently inconsistent vocals on those rare occasions during a marathon three-and-a-half-hour show at Quick and Loans Arena. I mean, he's doing mm. three-and-a-half hours, and just the curious, and maybe you can get into this a little bit as a singer, and you also have that raspy voice. <laughs> Why would he do three-and-a-half hours? And Why not? You go cover, you, if you, you can. go see a cover band in a bar, they usually play three sets for an hour each. Right. So you're already, if you're a singer in a band, you coming up. Look, before you get famous... That's how you're playing all night, every night, three hours. Yeah, but you can, right? And it's because not... I'm doing it every night because I worked up to that. I didn't, you know. Okay. It's like, look, my living is my voice from doing radio, from playing in a band, any voiceover work I do. It's a tool, just like everything else, and you have to learn how to use it, and that's the deal. And that's how I we because there something about his voice changed in a positive way since the they reunited. Absolutely. It's it's weird. Like you can tell. And that can also be coupled with, and he did say this in an interview with um, with Angus mm-hmm. uh, when that Axel DC thing first happened. That you know he started doing vocal training and, and going to. I could tell. Yeah, and because he's like Angus doesn't fuck around. Like he knows, you know, he, yeah. Angus is one of his idols, so he's not gonna you know argue with that. Uh, so if he's had vocal training, and when I saw Axel DC, which is all fucking rasp, you can't mm-hmm. do ACDC singing in that. You know, and I didn't coin the phrase, but that that so, uh, Mickey Mouse voice that, that's out there that people say, and I hate it. But it's just it doesn't have the rasp. All right, this is this is what the deal is. I I knew before you even told me. You know, I didn't read any articles. I could tell from the shows that he took vocal lessons, and vocal lessons doesn't say that you're not a good singer. The whole thing that a lot of people don't realize how to breathe, how to actually make your voice do what you need it to do. You need to place notes in different parts in your body. You know, high notes go into your head, low notes will be in your chest, mid-range notes will come from your nose. It's you know, it's stuff like that. It's and the deal is this: every really good singer, you ask them, who do you study with, and they'll tell you who they take vocal lessons from. Every good singer. Mm-hmm. So. What happens for me, myself, when I first started singing, I could go out some nights and I'd sing and I'd be like, oh my God, I was great tonight. And the next night, I couldn't hit any notes at all. Mm -hmm. What I needed to do, I had a tool, I needed to learn how to use it. And that's what the lessons did for me. So that's what lessons did for Axel. I could tell right off the bat, he's singing better than he ever has. See, that's amazing to me. You say better than he ever has. Yes. Because you saw him again back in 1989. Yes. But I also want to know was the, what was the difference? Because you texted me, and this is what we were, uh, we spoke about finally doing a, you know, a po- I never thought. Yes. Do you ever think we would do a podcast, no. let alone a Guns N' Roses podcast? <laughs> Absolutely together? not. No. Well, the fucking radio life is just <laughs> so funny. Because you went down, uh, of course, you know, uh, w- what's the name of the radio station, by the way? The Eagle, 1067 Eagle, San Antonio's only classic rock. Tune in Monday through Friday, 
six to nine. Joe Rock in the morning. I just wanted to hear you say that. <laughs> See, uh, I'd be like, in the window in the morning. <laughs> Here's some bagels and breakfast in the morning. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe one day. Uh, but you texted me um, when you saw that. What, what was the? What's the? Because I've never the been Alamo there. Dome. Is that, is that what the, the Spurs? Alamo Dome? Is that what the Spurs play? Yes. Okay, so you were less than enthused. You yes. said they're okay because yes. I was, and you were like, I'm not not to be a dick. And you know, and then you continue. Right. So, what did you? What were you not enthused by? Because at that point, I was surprised. Not you know, trying to convert you or anything. Yeah. Just again by the number of positive reviews, basically up until this, this one that I yeah. just read to you from uh, about Cleveland. So, yeah. like, what was weird about that one? Or, or did weird about that review weird? or the show? No, no, not the like, or, or the review just brought up the topic. So that's yeah. basically I don't want to give it any more attention than it deserves. <laughs> but uh, but in Texas, because you were like I didn't enjoy it, or I didn't wh- say I didn't enjoy it. Okay, don't get me wrong. Okay, it's, you know, here's the thing. I went to the show. This is oh, the and, first and, time. And I this guy him. says the rest of the band was phenomenal. By the way, it was just Axel was like <laughs> paying them. That's so. so that, that, that's yeah, his angle. Yeah. that's the last thing <clears throat> I'll, I'll give this guy. Well, the whole thing was this. It's like having seen them first in '89. The band was dangerous. When Guns N' Roses started out, it was walk out on the stage, fuck you. It was a big mm-hmm. middle finger to rock and roll. It's like, this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Sit down. We're going to do a show. Okay. So that's what I'm expecting now, nearly 30 years later. Are you really? Yes. Uh, Absolutely. Like, like, well, you know, here's the thing. I've been going to see Springsteen for 30 years. Right. And he comes out and does a show, and I'm getting... A lot of the same thing in performance that I got 30 years ago. Hmm. So I'm expecting this band to be dangerous. That's what I, that's what I'm expecting. That's what I'm counting on. That's not what I got. So right away, there you know from the pyrotechnics from the explosions, like as soon as the band hits the stage, it's like, all right, really didn't need that. Okay, and then okay, you know, first song, he's out in front of the stage. He starts doing his little snake dance, snake dance, and I'm like, dude. That's him. But here's the deal. You look at me now, all right? I'm not I'm not 30 years younger. 30 years ago there's a lot of stuff I did and maybe even a lot of stuff I wore that I would never <laughs> do that I would never do today because it's not right. Sure. He started doing that snake dance and I'm watching and I'm going, "No. No. <laughs> leave it alone. I know you created it. Yeah, it's yours. It will forever be yours, but leave it alone at your age. Don't look right. What about when Mick with the pointing and the in the lip pouting? I mean, you know, is he too old for that? <laughs> a little bit. It's, it's a tough one because, you know, some of the stuff that Mick does, he can get away with it. But sure. it's just like, they're, you know, this was, look, I, I don't want to be a guy who's going to pick on him for his weight because you look at me, I'm not a thin guy, right? But he's put on some pounds and it looks a little weird when he's doing that thing. And then then there's a couple other things, too. It's like they do some close-ups on him. And I, you know, I'm sitting like in the first 20 rows, so okay. I got a pretty good view. And I look up at the thing and I'm like... You know, my wife will look at me and be like, you know, you need to trim your eyebrows. And I never, I never in my life have ever looked at another guy and been like, wow, that guy needs to trim his eyebrows. I'm looking at Axel on the monitor and the thought goes through my head like, oh my God, he needs to trim his eyebrows. What the hell? (laughs) And then I'm looking further and this next comment is so not a political comment whatsoever. It's strictly an identification comment. I'm looking at it going, holy crap, he looks like Donald Trump. He really looked like what the fuck? Wrong. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, to be honest, because we're talking about a person. You know, I'm very sensitive about my physical appearance. You right. know, I'm fucking grew up Jewish. We fucking hate ourselves. <laughs> 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 you grew up here, you know. 
Uh, so, but I guess because there's something, because he has some sort of tan, it's not to the point where it's a Gene Simmons or it's a Vince Neil where I look at you and be like, <laughs> you look like a Halloween mask. Yeah, no, I agree. G- Gene hey, Simmons look. looks like a fucking Halloween mask. And the, the hair helmet on, on Gene, let's not. Oh, I, I'll steal this. I mean, it was an Opie <laughs> thing. So I went there, but his, uh, he blocked me because of this, actually. He blocked me on Twitter because I said it looks like he has Lego hair. Fucking. <laughs> 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 hey, you know, I had to do the hair thing, and I finally, I'm like you now. I, I shaved it finally. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so I, I joined the club. Um, so and I, I get that to a point, and yeah. you're allowed to feel that. And there's also like something the narrative we talk about, like what people have to do when you're in the spotlight, getting older. Yeah, you know, to remain that and the light that this world shines on you. You know, especially you know it more than I have. Where I grew up, where I went to to Hofstra, mm-hmm. uh, where Facebook was only allowed if you had a college, if you were a college student, yeah. college student, and Hofstra wasn't even added at that time. Yeah. But when you started it on radio, it wasn't like that. No, absolutely not. And even not. when I first started, I didn't. I didn't do. I, didn't, I remember. I, I remember really when MySpace came out, and I was like, "Hey, we can use MySpace to talk about the radio show." And people right. Were like, "Really?" Right. And I didn't take advantage <laughs> of it at the time. I was like, "You know, MySpace. I guess that's kind of stupid." So it's just Axel sees these, and whether it's, it's a true story or not about mm. him wanting to take down that picture of the fat Axel picture. I'm sure that's not true. We all have. I, I've, I've absolutely contacted friends to take down mm. a picture of me that I was tagged on Facebook to say I look like a fucking idiot here. I took a please. Like, I know I'm vain. Like, mm. that happens. I mean, if it was all over Google, this guy's a person. Yeah, and I, mean, I get, but, you know, it's like, look, when you, when you get to a certain point, and when you get to different points, you just have to learn to just walk away from that. Because, you know, it's like, look, I know without a doubt, I have not spoken to every person who's listened to me on the radio everywhere. No, of course. I know without a doubt, there's people like, that fucking guy, I hate him. Yeah. They've never met me. They don't know anything about me, and oh, they hate me. I was going to say me before the show, but I know. Okay, you. okay. God bless him. <laughs> you know, but it's like, you know, it's look. I would love it if everybody loved me, because then that you know my ratings would go through the roof. I could make more money, and sure. God bless you know. <laughs> no, I mean it's not that, that everybody has to love you, and I think Axel has lived through that. He knows that. I think yeah. it's when, and I'm not. It's not to you and your comments about you know looking like Donald Trump or anything like that. It's. <laughs> When it gets hyper local and 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 in comparison to, I don't know why I keep saying that term. I think I watch yeah. too much News Twelve on Long Island. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's like this article here where this guy and this band is out. And mm. I know they're not the dangerous factor anymore, but they're on yeah. time. They're doing three plus hour shows. Oh yeah, I everyone's mean, happy. So you're doing. It's not you. Yeah. It's it's the people who are writing the, the doing the memes. Uh, and again, I'm not trying well, to how, like a, I'm not trying to like a social justice warrior. And again, I think it's just a lot of things are open. But from, how many of them are from before? That's the whole thing with the internet. Everything's forever. So how many of them are before the reunion? And quite honestly, you know, I, I'm one of the few people I know of that will actually say, "Hey, you know what? I was wrong." Because you said we that. spoke, we spoke before the whole tour began, and I told you, like when the rumors first started, I'm like, first of all, I don't believe it. Yeah. it turned out to be true. Then I was like, okay, I was wrong about that. <laughs> I said the same thing too. And then it was like, oh my god, I'll give him a month. I'll give him a month before <laughs> the whole thing melts down because he's going to be late. There's going to be fights. There's going to be this. There's going to be that. Well, are you talking of... about Trump now or Axel? I'm talking about Guns N' Roses. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> I'm not talking politics. So, but that, but that's totally what I expected out of out of this not in not in this lifetime tour. I totally effect, expected it to a, fall. You were apart. not alone, right? And when it didn't, the first thing I had to do was give credit to the guys. Like, okay, you know what? Whatever the issues are you had, because. 
we don't know everything. No matter how many people have read this article or that article, we don't know what happened yes. between Slash and Axel. Right. We don't know what their conversations have been like over the years. We can speculate. We can have our right. sources. But, you know, but at the end of the day, the only two people who know are Slash and Axel. Right. So they were able to put this together. They were able to be mature enough to be, we have this opportunity to do something in a business way and in a musical way. Are we going to do it? Mm-hmm. And, you know, to the credit of Duff and Slash, they're actually going out there and playing stuff from Chinese Democracy, too, which I'm like, mm-hmm. what the? You know, never expected that, No one ever. did. And that's an, another new article that came out, I believe, on uh, Metal Sucks uh, that, that posed that question. Why? Mm-hmm. And that's something we, we've spoken about. Did you see the interview last year that Axel and Duff did? I think it was on Brazilian TV or some uh, Hispanic TV. That uh, it was touched on. I really got to discover in in the best of ways the, the album Chinese Democracy that he made, and it was these these songs he had worked on. And when we went into rehearsals, we wanted to really like own that. Like this is going to be what we're doing. This is what we're doing. I didn't have anything really to do with that. It's like they stepped to songs on Chinese. Mm-hmm. You know, they asked which ones are you interested in. You know, doing and stuff and. And they step to that on their own. I like to think he's telling the truth, and I think there's more to it than just as simple as that. Well, you know, if it, it, look, it, it's, if a song's a good song, it's a good song. And, and I get it. So then what changed for you with the uh, the dangerous factor? Because that's, again, something else we've spoken about a lot on this podcast, that well, that's also changed. So then you saw them in MSG, and you're yeah. like, um, you know, this was different. MS, well, MSG was better than Alamo Dome. The Alamo Dome show turned out to be, as far as as far as I understand, that I could be incorrect on this, but if if it's not, it's pretty damn close. The longest show that Guns N' Roses ever has ever played. I read a review that said that that one was the longest one ever. Okay. I think I read that in uh, either the San Antonio Current or something else, a review of the show, and and you know I, I could be wrong on that, but that's that's I definitely read that in an article. <laughs> <laughs> it was on the internet. It must be, it must be well, true. I'm just saying. Well, because you know I'm not. You know I I don't have the the GNR background and knowledge that you have. So I'm just gonna. Say, I believe it was like 32 or 33 songs that they played during um, the night. Whatever. Well, right now googling it because yeah. it gives me something that happened in 2009, which doesn't make sense. Yeah. Which says uh, three hours and 37 minutes in Tokyo, Japan. Uh, so I don't know if that's the. Yeah, it, was it, was gonna, it had to be longer than that. Oh no, I see it right now. I see it right now. Uh, uh, Guns N' Roses play longest show ever in the Alamo Dome. There it is. And if the uh, Wi-Fi wants to work here, uh, and, I, and what's and what's the uh, what's the article on? Because that sounds like the exact the San Antonio headline. Current. There you go. I remember it. Oh. Okay, cool. All right, now I'll give your, your local guy a shout out, Chris Condi. And he actually he wrote a really good review that I, I agreed with a lot of. So yeah, so that's, he said it was the longest concert ever. Uh, if I want to find where it actually says it, but I'll give him a shout out. So yeah, that, that you were at the longest show ever. So you were. I hope you weren't bored. Um, it started to get to that point, honestly. Mm. Well, because you know, he, I, I'm going to be really honest. Well, that's what we want in the show. I never bored Chinese democracy. That's not a surprise. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't surprise me. That's well, because it was just like. 
the words Chinese democracy were a punchline to a joke for so many years. Yep. When you've been a fan for this long, it was like, oh, you know, that's, you know, most people be, oh, that's going to happen my when, wife, when, please. when hell freezes over. Right. And then it's like, oh, that's going to happen when Chinese democracy comes out. <laughs> now it's the new you toll know? record. But yeah. <laughs> no, but you're, you're absolutely right. And I remember I went out that day because I'm such a, you know, fangirl. I, I bought the, the CD and the uh, the vinyl, okay, which is now stuck behind my furniture, but uh, but it's wrapped up, so it's okay. Yeah, that was a pointless story, but it's but, that's but, true. <laughs> but you know, they played the show, and it was and it was getting long, and it was like okay, they did a couple. You know, there was definitely some things in the show that didn't work. It was not the entirety of the show. They did um, they did Wichita Lineman that night. That night, it did not work. Okay. Uh, you see something else because you're. Uh, I'm not. You're, when I say old, you're not like. Tw- you know how? Can I ask? You're not a woman. Can I ask? And no, that's not a. Uh, yeah, you can ask how old I am. I may not tell you, but you can ask. Forty nine. Okay, I'll take that. No, you just turned fifty, didn't you? <laughs> didn't you just turn fifty? Didn't you have a big fiftieth birthday? No, I did not have a big fiftieth birthday party. All right. All right. So, so then, you're close enough. You're in the general area. Let's right. stick with it there. <laughs> Fair enough. So, you know, they played Wichita Lineman. It didn't work that. But night. you knew Glenn Campbell. I mean, I knew who he was, but yeah. I, I was not a fan of his. I mean, I didn't yeah, know his music. I, look, I'm not, I think they do a great cover. You know, I'd so. love to turn around and be like, oh, you know, as soon as everybody dies, I was the hugest fan there ever oh, was. Oh yeah. I totally knew who Glenn Campbell was. Glenn Campbell was another guy who was a joke. On some things, I'm not saying, look, he was very talented, he was a very talented musician and singer, which not was not always seen until you get an open mind musically. When I was younger, I didn't have an open mind musically. Sure, okay. He did, uh, I, think it, I think it was uh, The Electric Horseman, which was some kind of, or Rhinestone Cowboy. Rhinestone okay. Cowboy That was the one which came out like when I was a kid, and it's like, okay, what is this? Fair enough. But I was a kid. You get older, you get an open mind, you learn a little bit more about music, and it takes... So, I was never a big Glenn Campbell fan. Okay. I can respect what he did now, in retrospect, and having gained oh, an open mind as a musician. Too. But, you know, they did this. It's not like I was like, oh my God, they're messing with, you know, something sacred. But I saw it, I was like, this is a cool song. That's how I saw it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. But it didn't work that night. Fair enough. They did it at the show at the Garden. It worked a lot better. Okay. Uh, another thing that didn't work at the Alamo Dome that worked at the Garden was they did um, when they did November Rain. Okay, I have an opinion. Yeah, yeah. So they sit down to do the intro in November Rain when they play it in, at the Alamo Dome. Axel sits down at the piano, starts playing the coda from Layla by Derek and the Dominoes, mm-hmm. Eric Clapton, right? He starts playing it, Slash comes over, takes over, Axel stops playing. So Slash is now continuing the melody on his guitar. The only problem is he's missing notes. Now, I know the guy can play. I know he's a player. Okay. But he's missing notes on a very well-known piece of instrumental music. Okay. And I'm like... I wouldn't, I wouldn't know this. You know you would. Okay. You would recognize it because you know the song. Oh, yeah. That- and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, like, you know, if Axel kept playing through this and he was playing the notes, this would be okay. But he's not. And I would think you would learn the piece better. When they played it to the garden... Axel played it all the way through. Maybe that's what they did. <laughs> I mean, being in a band, same thing. You know, but there was just, so there was things like that. There were there were parts of the night that didn't, and then it was just like, after a while, it's like, I don't mind when bands come out and play some covers, Yeah. but after a while, it was starting to get ridiculous, because it's like, okay, so we got Wichita Lineman, mm-hmm. we got Black Hole Sun, mm-hmm. um, we got The Seeker, which is one of my all-time favorite songs, which they did really well, but it was like, uh, you know, yeah. uh, oi.
Come on, like give me a and, break. And of course, a couple of their hits, knocking on heaven's door, living yeah. or die, are right. covers. Right. I I agree with you actually on a few of those things, and that's why like articles like this, I just don't want to deter anybody from seeing them. Well, it, but the point being, I always had a problem because November Rain is my favorite song ever. Okay. My my first uh, tattoo actually was inspired by that because it's the cover of uh, part of the cover of a uh, User Illusion One on the okay. of my left shoulder blade. And I'm so fucking nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least I can get a tattoo on my ass. Uh, yeah, that's usually too. All right, I'm gonna stop. Uh, spaghetti incident? No. Okay, that's worse. No, no, no. All right, let's let's All keep right. moving. Okay. Uh, so I always had a problem with how he's been doing November Rain. It kind of has always broken my heart because it's yeah. the rasp has been gone live, and it's bothered me a lot. And when I, I saw the live version on YouTube, which I know mm-hmm. I can never take, you know, uh, put full stock in. Uh, when they debuted Black Hole Sun, I believe it was um, like the castle over in Ireland. I mean, yeah. Slane. Slane Castle. Double. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it didn't sound good either. And I'm like, Ugh. But when I saw that in MSG, both sounded so much better. I enjoyed yeah. both. And I'm like, this is great because I never saw Soundgarden. So I mm-hmm. really enjoyed that song. I didn't want it to ruin anything for me. Yeah. And this is the first time live that I heard him use the rasp on November Rain. The, this again, the singing and how you explained it with the breathing, different parts of your face. Well, but and I know, you know there's different nights, but it's just it's just so fascinating that how I don't know. But then you said like Slash could be off, so yeah. we're all human, I guess. Right. In the end, oh, absolutely. But there, but there's more to go in on the singing too. Like it's not just that he took lessons. Follow me, and hopefully you can understand this. And I, I, <laughs> well, you know, I don't always know. I talk about stuff. I, I hope so. When Welcome he, to the club. When he sang, and I do little air quotes on that, when he sang in the old days and did stuff in the studio, some of the ways he was doing it wasn't actually singing. It wasn't trained singing. We know that because he didn't take lessons till recently. So he was able to scream to get those notes. Mm-hmm. Okay. When you learn how to sing, you stop screaming. So now hmm. there are notes that he cannot sing in full voice. So when you can't sing in full voice, you do a falsetto. So if you've been hearing like this weird sound of him live and been like, what is he doing? That's the falsetto so that he can hit notes that he never could actually sing in full voice. That's fascinating to me. So then do you prefer that? And do you appreciate what he's doing where it's not the same? I absolutely do appreciate what he's doing. I mean, look, does it sound like what it sounded like before? No. But if he were to continue to scream like that. He's going to totally lose his voice and not be able to sing anything at all. Mm. You, you're better as your your instrument, your voice as an instrument, is going to last you longer if you use it correctly. If you don't, you're going to lose it. Yeah. And that's what would end up happening with him. So I'm glad that he took singing lessons. I'm glad that he's singing better than he ever has. But now what it's done is it's changed the game for so many of the vocals of what he does. So it's, you know, I kind of look at it and it's like, uh, okay, it doesn't necessarily sound as good as it did in one respect, but in the other way, I'm like, oh my God, he's actually singing better than he ever has. Hmm. Then I use this comparison, and I know you're not a, a, a sports guy, but follow me for mm-hmm. a second. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's kind of like if you're, and I used this on the show before, if you're mm-hmm. like a power pitcher, nah. you know, if you were a Roger Clemens or a Randy Johnson. And you get older, and you can't throw 95 anymore. Right. So now you got to throw your pinpointing. You know, you're mm-hmm. using different pitches. Yeah. So that's what I would like to see him do more, because when he sings in his lower octave, I fucking dig it. Yeah. You know, like when he's doing the Wichita alignment. Well, know? actually, what I would think of it more okay. is um, 
You ever see the movie Major League? Okay. What am I, a communist? Of course. Charlie Sheen, wild thing. Yes. When he first starts out, he has no idea how to pitch. Right. <laughs> he can throw like a million miles an hour, but he doesn't know how to freaking control the thing. <laughs> Yes. Then he yes. learned how to control it. All In right. reality, if that was real, when he learned how to control it, probably lose a little bit of speed originally. Mm, so there you go. Okay. So there's the uh, baseball. You know baseball <laughs> when we're talking about Charlie Sheen. There you go. <laughs> Charlie Sheen's like a spirit brother to me from years past. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, so, that, that, so that's a, a tiger blood in your Dr. Pepper. I got it. I got it. Well, I, 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 that makes me appreciate it more. And those are the conversations I like to have and I wanted to talk to you about. Because mm-hmm. these would, we would have off air. Right. And these conversations never get accomplished you know, like any gets anything gets accomplished on Facebook and Twitter. You know uh, that you can have a, you know, it's not the same, but and you can say you can say that without bashing Axel. Right. Say where it's not a negative. It's just an intelligent right. conversation, which is what I'm. I, I we're gotta, doing. I, I got to tell you, I'm so much more. I'm so much more impressed with him than I ever thought I would be. And to me, that's impressive because you like just teasing me about it, you know? Gonna, <laughs> well, it doesn't mean I'm still not going to fuck with you, but... <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, the tour's going to end today. The tour's going to end today. You wait. I'm like, shut up! <laughs> and it's been it's been uh, going great. And just the fact that it's been going like for so long, because yeah. you've seen Bruce a million times. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen him. I have yet to see him. Yeah. I would like to see him, but I think... Could I enjoy a show for that long? I now I know that I can, and just know again thinking about like the players, like the like, uh, you know, the Stones. Like, would I be entertained at this point? Yeah. Yes. I don't even think about it twice, and even if it's not the same, I don't think about it twice because my God, I wish I fucking saw Tom Petty. And now I'll never. Yeah, I saw him a bunch of times. He was amazing. What a what a. No, I wish I did. No pun intended. What a heartbreaking loss. Uh, it came out of nowhere. It just came yeah. out. Of, it's it's just very sad. So, you know, when art, again articles like this, and, and you do know that that you do know the famous performance of of Axel with Tom Petty, right? Oh, no, of course, oh, okay. at the VMAs. Just making sure, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Not what what I was surprised when we tweeted that out uh, after. You know, of course, we had to tie everything into Guns N' Roses when we're talking about other stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there are still some people who haven't seen it. Maybe some younger people. Yeah. Check it out. It's on YouTube. I'm sure you'll find it. Oh yeah, no, it's on YouTube. It's on uh, at the AFD show on Facebook. And then, and, and there's also uh, there's also a Springsteen Axel performance that's out there on YouTube too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's from one of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame things. Yes, yeah. No, I have that too. I know all the the. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. I've learned some interesting new Axel Gene or stuff through mm-hmm. this podcast because I don't know everything. I don't claim to be an expert. I could have told you that. Yeah. I, <laughs> This fucking guy. See, I don't go. Like, I don't go. Uh, I'm not an expert. I'm just a fan who happens to be in radio. Yeah. Which I, I think you are as well. Yes, absolutely. Well, here's the whole thing, and I look at this for musicians and for people in entertainment. If you're not a fan of whatever the entertainment is that you're involved with, then forget it. Right. You know, like I, I you know, like interviewing. I interviewed Sammy Hagar very recently, and one of the things I said to him because he was talking about all the stuff he does during his shows, and I'm like, well, I think one of the really cool things is that you've remained a fan. He's like, absolutely, you have to be, and I'm like, yeah, yeah amen. Oh, absolutely. When I interviewed uh, Trivium about when uh, they came on, they just released a new record, and mm. they talk about Guns N' Roses because they're just big kids. Like that's what we all are, but we're, uh, you and I specifically are also broadcasters. And with that, you yeah. know, saying inter- you know, trying to be entertaining or insightful or whatever, you know, th- this guy I keep bringing it up. Fuck this guy. This guy uh, Chuck <laughs> Yarborough, Chuck Scarborough, whatever from the Clevelander or whatever. Uh, I mean, it's, again, it's just try- I'm trying to change the narrative through Guns and Roses. Where yeah. what does this accomplish other than clicks for yourself? 
And again, you are allowed to have an opinion. But, but you know what? He you may, are, you know, he may really think that way. You know, I don't necessarily know that he's doing it just to be. But you know, it's it's easy. You know, and a lot of different things. I don't know. It was it uh, it's it's it was painful at times. I mean, like it's again, it's not the conversation that you and I are having. No, absolutely not. That's that's then, what I would but, want. But then again, the other thing too is like, you know what? I happen to know a little bit about vocal lessons because I've taken them and everything like that. I don't so know I, that this guy does. So I, I don't know that he knows. That's why I got you on. I got motherfucking experts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you know, he's he's there to do a review. Right. Uh, you know, he's got his knowledge and what his opinion was as it of it. I can only imagine that he's been he's gotten to the point he's at in his career as a journalist that they let him give his opinion. So he gave right. his opinion. Sure. No, Do we agree with it? Do we disagree yeah. with it? That's, you know. Oh, no, you're allowed. I mean, we haven't gotten free speech taken away from us yet. Right. No, no. I mean, you're allowed. Again, it's just, I think it's just, a, uh, for me, in such a broad sense, it's the narrative of the negative. And I'm not trying to like, live in a world of puppy dogs and, and rainbows. But uh, <laughs> when it's something like that, that's like a specific bullet. And I know this. This is this guy uh, Axel has faced a lot of metaphorical bullets in his entire life, so it's, he doesn't need anyone to stand up for him. Uh, but again, it's just thinking again as a as a broadcaster and trying to create a insightful, intelligent dialogue, which mm. I know is a different conversation. You know, when you're writing it down, when yeah. you're when you're uh, you know journalist in that regard, but you can still do it. So that's what I'm just trying to change, and yeah. it's just been very cool that Axel's been able to kind of do it by himself. Without trying, by showing up, I can't believe I saw a fucking Guns N' Roses show start like before eight o'clock. My God, <laughs> like you, you get like you get there at eight o'clock and it's like shit. We got time to have like a four course meal before they come on. Well, but you know, but that's you know that's some of the differences too. Like uh, you know when uh, when Guns N' Roses played at the Alamo Dome. They brought local, 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 oh, yeah. local ZZ wait, Top wait. opening act. Okay, so I, I wish I, I asked you that because I, yeah. I, I did see ZZ Top here in Long Island, which were great. And that's something else I do like that they're doing local acts. Yeah. This, this leg, they're not bringing any, there's no openers, which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, but that's something else that I like that they're, I don't know, they're catering to the market. Hey, who's a hometown hero? Who can we kind of bring out? Well, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, I see the connections. I think part of it might be too. Um, one of the things that I was disappointed in in this reunion, um, although he does a great job, is Frank Ferrar behind the kit. Okay, I want to. I would rather see Matt Sorum. Why I know that? there's a lot of people who think an Adler. I don't think Stephen has the chops to last through a whole night. Okay. I don't think he has it in him. Um, but Matt Sorum, I think, is an amazing drummer, an amazing player. I loved him with the Cult. I liked him with GNR. I'd love to see him there. Now I've seen him with Kings of Chaos. With Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top mm-hmm. and a bunch of other people with Billy Duffy from The Cult, uh, Steve Stevens from Billy Idol. They just put out a new record. It also um, has, uh, yeah, Matt Storm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so I see the can I see the connection to Guns N' Roses and ZZ Top through that. So I thought it was very cool when I saw that ZZ was going to be opening the show. And that's what that's what really clinched it for me. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go check this out. Mm-hmm. They've, they've lasted on the tour this far. I'm reading all these positive reviews. Right. I want to go see what it's about because, you know, I don't want to I don't want to BS people. Like, I, you know, I, the last thing I want to do is just, you know, somebody be to me like, go tell everyone how great this show was. But I thought it sucked. But go tell them it was great anyway. All right. Like, I'll never do that. Oh, I don't want that either. You know, I, I'm never going to do that. Like, I'm, you know, look, if people are listening to me, I, I imagine they're putting some kind of trust in me that I'm going to be honest with them. So that's what I'm always going to do. Yeah. So I enjoyed the show. It just wasn't, I enjoyed the Alamo Dome show. It just wasn't what I expected. Because mm-hmm. uh, like I said, I expected to be wowed. I expected to be 
completely blown away. That's what you said. I was expecting to be wowed, and it wasn't wowed. Yeah. I remember you texting me that. Yeah. And it was just like, it, you know, it was like, they did a great job. They did a good, good show. It's, it's, you know, it's trying to explain to some people, like, I listen to songs written by different, different songwriters, and I'll think, like, you know what? That would be a really good song if you were Nickelback. <laughs> <laughs> If you were Nickelback and you wrote that, I would have been like, "Holy shit, that's great!" Wait, you didn't think but about that not. when they were like, "I don't even think... get me started on those guys." Well, uh, I, 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 I want, I want a quarterback for having have to haven't had to listen to Nickelback. That's all I got to say. <laughs> I purposely because they came to iHeartRadio to do one of the, the shows, and I was like to my boss, "Can I just meet them?" I just want to take a picture with them. Really? Oh, yeah. And so I have a picture with me and Nickelback <laughs> forever on the internet. See, that's my choice. That's my choice. I mean, you know. Th- when I was younger, oh, we all made mistakes. No, their first uh, record was fine. I mean, I don't look. I'm not gonna be like uh, you're. You're about to leave. <laughs> he smacked his if head. You're wondering what that sound was? That was my head hitting the microphone. We've. Uh, I will say, and we've spoken about it on the show. Uh, I, I was definitely more of a fan of Creed. Oh God, <sighs> we're not gonna these. You're not gonna talk anymore. Oh my God, I'll give you Alter Bridge. <laughs> I'll give you Alter Bridge. That's you know. We're coming from two different. So that's why I wanted you on because I I don't want a yes man. Well, I because, wanted somebody. Here's the thing too. This was one of the things that was making it harder for me to make the decision to go see Guns N' Roses on this tour, as I saw Slash with Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators opening for Aerosmith. Okay, I have not seen uh, the Conspirators yet. Miles, that motherfucker has been taking singing lessons since he's like two. That yeah. motherfucker can sing. Yes, he can. Now that's and you know, and I look at that guy and I'm like, man, I wish I could do that. And you hear him sing the G and R stuff with Slash, and it was like, whoa, he's great. But, but he's not. It a, still wouldn't be Guns N' Roses. No, and he's not a front man. He's a great singer, but to me, to me, he's just, you know, he's by the mic. You know who? Uh, excuse me. He'll move his hands around. <laughs> oh, hey now, what am I stirring? You know. uh, he'll. You know, move his hands around, walk around, but he's not like a front man like Axel. So I mean, that's always that goes back to the David Lee Roth. Um, conversation. Yeah, but you know, but honestly, you know what? What do you want? Axel's not the same front man he was thirty years ago yep. either. I mean, who there was is? very little. There was very little. Int- who is Springsteen? <laughs> <laughs> I knew, I, there was, as soon as I said that, I was like, I know what the there was very was. little. There was very little interaction with the audience during the shows yeah. on this tour. Uh, there doesn't seem to be really a lot of interaction between the band members, and That's a lot what... less interaction with the non-original members. Like you know, I got to give I got to give props. Two people in the band now deserve to get a little bit of respect. Richard Fortas played his ass off, mm-hmm. and Frank Farrar. They say his name once the whole night. I'm like that guy is a beast. But you would still prefer Sorum. I would still prefer Sorum, mm-hmm. and which is fine. You know, but that but that's part of the whole thing. Like I said, You're you know, allowed. we could get Miles Kennedy out on the stage who could sing Guns N' Roses better than Axel can sing, but it's not going to be Guns N' Roses, right? And it's to like me, I... Matt Sorum on the stage makes Guns N' Roses a little bit more Guns N' Roses than they are without him, because you're more familiar. Sure, I, because, I, I, like, because, what, well, I like what Frank adds. Well, here's the deal. I, I, this I, is what right. it's like. Like when everyone starts talking about, well, who's the best guitar player that ever lived? Sure, and I'm like, okay, let's get into some of the conversations. Jimi Hendrix, to me is where it begins. Because Jimmy innovated all this stuff. Nobody did, like, everything that Jimmy did, nobody did before him. So there's a lot of guys today who can play what Jimmy played. 
but they can't create what Jimmy would have done next if he had lived. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes the difference. So as much as Frank Farrar can sit down and play the parts that Sorum came up with, he didn't necessarily come up with them. And the same thing goes for the different guitar players. But that's why I'll I'll, I'll give credit to, um, now I lost his name already, Richard Fortas. Yeah. Because he came out and did an amazing job and played great stuff. And I'm like, this guy can create too. I can see it. And I'm a big Izzy fan. Mm. Because like, I bought the Juju Hounds album, the original Juju Hounds album, as soon as it came out. I was waiting on that. Oh, yeah? Because I, Rick Richards, who was also in the band, who came from the Georgia Satellites, huge fan of that band. So I, I went out and oh. bought that album. I was like, that album rocks. This is a little uh, tidbit for you. Maybe this will be an episode of ours you will listen to. He's our next guest. <laughs> oh, really? Rick Richards, yeah, yeah. Ah, is, are you going to have him in person or are you going to have him over the phone? Over the phone. He's in Vegas. Oh, okay. He's in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. But no, that's... Uh, don't tell him that I opened up for Dan Baird, who he used to be in the Georgia Satellites with, because apparently those guys don't speak anymore. Oh, I didn't know he was also in the Georgia Satellites. I knew <laughs> oh, he... Oh, yeah. He was, you know, he worked with uh, with Izzy back in the day. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Rick Richards, gonna, yep. He's going to be a good conversation. All right, let's see how incestuous everything is. <laughs> Absolutely. And you, and it's one of those things that you would never figure, because the Georgia Satellites have that kind of stones faces kind of feel definitely a southern vibe oh, going on sure. in a lot of their music and that's not guns and roses <laughs> and even if you listen to the juju hounds album it's not that right yeah so that's all right so okay then what do you think about uh, melissa reese what do you think about having uh why i i will preface i'm a huge i'm a fan i'm not just because she's beautiful but i guys like what she adds to the band that it just creates this kind of youth the best yeah. woman I saw on stage with them is when Pink came out and sang with them on Patience. We were both at that same show. Yes. And you were like, you were texting me your better seats and whole video. I'm like, fuck it is. <laughs> uh, but I wasn't close enough to touch her as much as I would have loved to. No, just leave that right there. Oh, don't tell on. my C- wife. C- don't. <laughs> what are you, George Bush Sr.? You can't. <laughs> you can't. Oh, Jesus. Just trying to stay topical. All right. So then, then with Melissa and her addition, what is, how does that bother you? It it doesn't really bother me. It's just kind of like why, like they've got they got Dizzy Reed who's playing keys, and this is not Dizzy's first go around with the band. Because she was a replacement so, for um for that's where I was going. Uh, she was a replacement for Pittman who goes fired. They don't need and she they, but, but the, they don't she need two the, keyboard players. But Most of the time right. I see her, she's standing there. I'm like, all right, she's not playing. And you can't, yeah, she's singing, but you know what? You can't really hear her notes in the din of that large of a venue. Because now she does the intro to, I mean, I don't know, again, how familiar you are, if at all, with anything Chinese democracy, but now she does the uh, the intro to better. Uh, oh, okay. So, I mean, I think it's just, I know it's not much, <laughs> but they keep adding it, but she was just in the studio working mm-hmm. with uh, another drummer, uh, the Brain. I don't I, since I don't know if you were. I you think I've heard that name before. You got to listen to. I mean, <laughs> if you have a chance, you got to listen to Chinese just for the mu- like, musicianship. It's, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna take some arm twisting to get me to. I mean, I'm, certain- I'm gonna be honest because it's also too. It's like to me, it's it's not. You know, once again, to me, that's not Guns and Roses. It's I get it, and even for me. Years before starting a GNR podcast, yeah. it took me three listens to be like to, to fully absorb it, but. Uh, I would just love your opinion as uh, opinion as a guitar player on Buckethead, and then oh I know, you and know then what, I know, what I know Slash has done to it's, it, and, you know, what Slash uh, has done to it, but yeah. Melissa was 
working on that record with Brain behind the scenes. Yeah. And then I guess when Pittman got fired, she moved up to the full-time yeah. band. And that's why you know, Adler yeah, look, left, because he's I, like, why do we need all these players I've there? seen all these different people come and go, and I know, you know, uh, cross paths with Bumblefoot a couple times, yeah. and the guy can play, and, you know, it's, like, it's, it's all different things. It's just, you know, it's... Look, I'm very opinionated when it comes to my music, and it's and there's that's there's why certain, you're here, right? There's, <laughs> there's certain there's certain prejudices I have when it comes to music that I'm willing to admit they sit with me, but it's still what my feeling is. So it's like when you know you can list off all these guys. Hey, look, Stinson, great player, man. You know what? You look at my collection, you're going to find more replacements albums than you're going to find Guns and Roses albums. <laughs> You that's, know, that's totally cool. And, and it's like, and and you know, I realize that these people can play, but it's like, it's not. It's not the same, Moses. right? Yeah. And I get that. And I, I guess I've tried to change my my. And I was, I was, I guess that part of my life, I was in denial a little bit when I was like, I'm going to see Guns N' Roses for the first time, and it's you know, Buckethead, and it's a uh, Robin Fink from Nine Inch Nails, yeah. and like I know it wasn't. But it's I, I'm like it's a it's a brand. It's the Yankees, you know. They change players, but I root for the jersey. You know, that's kind of how I kind of look at it a little bit. But I'm, but obviously, you know. And I have said this again um, on the podcast where I would leave those shows where it was you know rose and roses as D Snyder yeah. would call them, <laughs> and I would feel like I just didn't see Guns N' Roses. I, was, yeah. I, I saw a good rose show. And roses. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to compliment him on that soon. <laughs> D is a funny guy. I yeah. know uh, we both have interview, uh, interviewed him. Yeah, we, I, he's played with my band this stuff a number of times. We've done stuff with him. Sure, D, D's a good guy. You play with um, his bassist too, Mendoza. Yes, Mark the Animal Mendoza. He's a he's a crazy sob. Yeah, that's a mild way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> try try. Try being, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, try being his boss. Okay, I need you to do this. Fuck you. No, that's what I know. I need you to do this. You know? I'll never forget in the D. Snyder, on uh, the Twisted Sister, rather, behind the music, mm-hmm. but they're talking about, like, some, like, when they break up a reunion, <laughs> and then Mendoza brought a gun. They, they kind of, you know... They embellished they, that. They, you know... I don't know. It may not have been loaded, but it could have been, like, a message... It's, it's uh, it's tough to explain. It's not, you know, they make it seem like, you know, oh, he walked in with this gun and was like, you know, like to be threatening or whatever. It was nothing like that. It's like, look, if depending on where you live, gun carry is more normal than anything else. Sure. You know, like, oh, what do you got? Oh, I got my car keys and I got my gun. It all depends on where you come from in the United States. You know, uh, first got to San Antonio and there's there'll be signs at places that'll tell you, OK, we, we don't want you to bring guns in here. Or whatever. I'm like, okay. In New York, you're not going to find that. It all depends on where you are. Different places have different ways of looking at it. So he just happened so, to have it on him. Yes. Okay. Because the way that it was edited made it seem like he just like it was a, of a course. mob move. Of course. Well, it was like the whole thing. Like, very funny. If you rewatch the Guns N' Roses behind the music, right? They interviewed Mark for a couple hours. They use one sentence out of the whole thing. Mm. Where he says something like, "When the band broke up," you he mean said Twisted Sister? Twisted Sister, yeah. yeah. And Mark says, "You know, uh, I wasn't going to kill anybody, but somebody was definitely going to be walking with a limp." <laughs> yeah. And that's like two hours they interview yeah. him, and that's like the only sentence mm-hmm. they give him by himself. And it's like, really? <laughs> well, 
That's something that we like to do here. Get through the distortion. It's, it's, right. It's 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 editing to make things look a different way. So that's, oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, when I met him, he was a big teddy bear. Anyway, so yeah. I mean, he's still definitely like I'll let enjoy. You tell him that. Yeah, no, he'll get he'll give you like a look like I'm going to murder you. But I mean, if you're a good dude, he's a good dude back to you. Yes, absolutely. Then what changed with the New York show? Because I don't know if you officially said that you were like, okay, this show is different. And this it, show's better. This show's better. Show's better. Uh, I felt it, the I felt the band was tighter. I felt they were more focused. Um, Slash was playing better uh, at the Garden Show. Um, the performance of Wichita Lineman worked better yeah. at, the, at the Garden Show than it did at the Alamo Dome. Um, you know, I I just felt like they did a better job. I don't know if look. You know what? It's when people talk about venues around the world, some venues carry with them a certain mystique. Mm-hmm. Madison Square Garden, um, hands down, has to be one of those venues. The Mecca. Yeah. It's like everyone's like, oh, my God, I want to play the Garden. Yeah. You know, or like Carnegie Hall. Sure. Or, you know, and it's, and it's, and, you know, the Alamo Dome's definitely a very storied venue as well. But there's, it seems to me, you know, that more people talk about the Garden. So maybe they were more intimidated by that. And we're like, you know what? We got to step up our game. Mm. Because we're about to walk in here to the garden, we got to make a difference. I, I mean, I'd like to think you know they do that for every show, and I would, you know, I, I would think that too. But you know, as a musician, there are sometimes you go out and you play, and you're like, oh, wow, you know what? We really got to bring it at this one. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like that's what it was. And I also, you know, I could be wrong on this. I'm totally speculating on this. Do not hate me. Do not inundate me with, with <laughs> you know, you know, mad what? tweets. I'm going to take you at your word. Okay, but um. I feel like the three-night stand at the Garden was not selling as well as they had expected coming into the event. Didn't it sell out two, I think two of the three nights? Which two? Saturday, Sunday and Monday? Yeah, I don't, I don't recall. Yes. I don't recall. That's what I would expect. I'm sure it was not sold out on the night that we went, which was the first of three. I thought it was sold out. And I, I mean, I'll have to research. I believe it was not. I, I, believe, I could be wrong. I, I wish I have a producer. I'll fix it. You know. But I get the feeling if you go back and you look, what you're going to find out, and, and this, is my, this is me totally speculating on this. As you know, I was at the show, and I was lucky enough to have been invited to the show. Mm-hmm. As were a lot of other people who work in the radio radio industry who are invited to the show, and we were given a spot right up against the stage. I could have been, but I'm an idiot. <laughs> My feeling on that is that that did not happen by accident. I thought that was weird because I would look down to where you were, mm-hmm. and it was pretty open. Yes. Uh, so I don't know if that, but like you know, in the middle of the stage, you know, of course the crowd, right. everyone was there. But I guess why these VIP where you guys were were so open, so close to the stage. I guess thought that was odd i felt like i'm like i could have went with joe and been totally fine as a handicapped person i'm like i could have been fine right i felt like what it was i felt it was we're gonna put you guys right here right down front you're gonna have an amazing concert experience and you're gonna go back to whatever your media is and you're gonna Mm -hmm. let everybody know because it was all press that got invited to that and you're gonna let everybody know how amazing the show was and we're gonna sell more tickets for sunday and monday it's a thought. It's definitely a thought. I'm not going to, you know, that's not a second gunman on the grassy knoll thought. <laughs> well, there was three guys. Uh. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't know anything Ed, about Ed Kennedy either. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, no, that's, that's that's an interesting thought. And you know what? That's a smart business thought, I think. Right. Oh, absolutely. So then, where do you think the like, – where are we – Look, we could, uh, that's th- one thing that we, that we didn't cover enough, and I'm just going to say it right here, right now. The music business is a business. Yeah. And don't kid yourself that the business part of it has something to do with the fact that we get to see Axel, Slash, and Duff back on stage together again. Oh, it has to be. I mean, they've been offering it for a while, right. but something came together. Something, I mean, it right. could be also a, a personal relationship that changed right. and mixed in with dollar signs. Look, if they had, if they I, had I, gotten together like at somebody's wedding and played like, oh my God, they played, you know, if they had played in a local bar and then walked their separate ways, I would have been like, those guys did it because they just wanted to jam together again. Mm-hmm. And they started out with a big tour. Yeah, there was some, you know, I'm not saying that that was the only reason behind it. Certainly not saying that, but I'm definitely saying that was part of the deciding factor. Yeah, I don't think that's too far fetched, but I mean, you see a lot of videos now of them smiling, and I don't think it's too hammed up. Oh, I don't, I, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't feel that way at all, yeah. but you know, I, I, I think, you know, I think people, you know, definitely the people who facilitated getting the three of them together had dollar signs in their eyes. <laughs> oh, of course. I mean, God knows how many other people did. I mean, this is the most. This could be the most successful tour of all time. I think it's up to almost. Uh, I don't know. It's, I, it's I, I, I don't know the numbers. I don't know. I, I can't say. It's close to five hundred million thus far. Okay. It's it's close there. Uh, then I guess to where they could go and something you've experienced as a Springsteen mm. fan. Uh, you know, like what's the set list like, and would you want to see new music? Do you like? The, I mean, I know you don't care about Chinese democracy stuff, and that's the argument we had. I would like to see before. them working together now in the studio. Then, I'd love to see what would happen. Now. Okay, then because then some people say that about. I think even uh, talk about D. Snyder. You know, nobody wants to hear new stuff. Well, you know, look, D's D just recently put out a solo album. Um, because I actually interviewed him about it the day after. No, he did, and then Christmas albums. I mean, he does that. No, 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 no. He he put out a solo. He put out a solo album. Mm -hmm. Um, I interviewed him about it. I gave the album a listen. It's not a Twisted Sister record. That's not a shot in any way, shape, or form. No, it's different stylistically. Because D's in the studio now calling all the shots, not part of a band where some guy's going, well, I want to hear this and I want to hear that. And that's what I think all the difference is. So that's kind of why I look at an album like Chinese Democracy and in my head, I'm like, that's the Axl Rose solo album. Sure. Because because I'm sure there was nobody in the studio looking at Axl going, no, 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 we're not going to do it that way. We're going to do it this way. Because I think the next thing that would happen, that guy would be looking for a job. Hmm. <laughs> you could be absolutely right. I mean, you can have, and that's why, I mean, that's the, the untold story of Chinese, the behind the scenes, again, referring to, if you haven't listened to that episode with Walker, mm. all these behind the scenes things that, I don't know how he knows them, I'm not going to ask, yeah. but he gave us too much information to think he's full of shit about some Chinese democracy happenings, yeah. but just to know what the dictation is. You know, can you imagine telling Buckethead to do something? Uh, I mean, you you don't it, know. Or look, now, if you hold it, if you hold it, like you put it on a scale, and it's Axel or Buckethead, who do you think pulls more I, weight? Oh, I, I was just saying on a uh, on a weird level. You, you know, you're talking to him through the mask. He recently, for the first time, I think ever, played without it. Gave an interview without it, oh, and it okay. was to his therapist <laughs> on a podcast. <laughs> of course, you know I love that shit. Uh, but then I'm just then where do you think it would if they were to make a new record? Do you think that's going to be the case? Because what what do a, I think it is? And, compar- I, and comparing it to Bruce, I mean, are you excited when Bruce comes out with a new? I mean, yes. I know you are. Well, well, well you know, anything, but Bruce. but here's the deal. You know, it's not like look, I'm a guy who could in, who could admit failure uh, to meet expectations in artists. So I have a saying I say all the time that 
on this show probably won't be that controversial, but is in other places, where I say that the Beatles are overrated. And when I say that, I'm not saying that there's anything negative about them. What I'm saying is that there's people who walk around who act like every single thing that the Beatles ever did was exactly perfect. I'm a huge Beatles fan, but there are plenty of songs I'm like, I'm not feeling. Right. And so even that's Guns where it is. Ro- even Guns N' Roses. So, right. So Springsteen, as much as I've seen the guy 250 times, and you know, this is the guy who, he's the reason why I play guitar, he's the reason why I sing. Uh, my thing with him is that he's put out uh, an album or two that I would like to just be like, what? I never heard of that album. That didn't happen. That hmm. doesn't exist. I'm pretty sure that doesn't. I'm pretty sure that's a figment of your imagination because I know I definitely don't have that in my collection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and that's Chinese democracy for a lot of people. You know, but right. we we uh, on the show. I mean, we we've discussed it, uh, you know, back and forth, and I agree where it is an Axl Rose record. I know. I understand. Again, it's the comparison that I made where it's rooting for the the jersey. The Guns N' Roses jersey, mm-hmm. the Yankees jersey, whatever. Yeah. So I have no problem. I don't need to be a like a spelling Nazi or a grammar Nazi about it. I don't want to be a phrase Nazi, you know, with it. That's <laughs> <laughs> of course, you know, I have to, yeah. the Jew has to find some sort of Nazi reference here. <laughs> but it's it's just different. And yeah. when I finally appreciated it and really got slashed out of my brain and mm-hmm. GNR's vision of what I th- thought they were, I enjoyed the record immensely. Yeah. And now I'm like retraining my brain. Like I always imagined Buckethead doing that solo on There Was a Time. Now I see yeah. Slash and, and Ford is playing it. So it's definitely an adjustment. But, you know, um, as you said, there could be stuff you don't like, stuff you do. I just want to see new music. So I'm yeah. hoping that happens. And I'm glad that you've, you know, maybe you haven't, uh, you're not a diehard GNR fan. But you like them enough? Like, how can on a scale like, of one you to know, ten? I, 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 on a scale of one to ten apples, how many bad apples would you be? One to ten apples. Uh, I think I might go as high as a seven. Bad oh. <laughs> Sorry. All right. That's that's. Uh, well, that's I'm a, definitely on the. You know, it's like a passing look, grade. You're a bad five, apple. Five is five is in the middle. <laughs> so I'm definitely more on the. You know, it's like look. I, I, you know, I'm a fan. I, I was a fan. No, I know. I, you know. I. You know. I remember when Appetite for Destruction was a new album. Mm. I can still remember the first time I heard Sweet Child of Mine. I was like, holy crap. I can remember, I can remember, you know, hearing Welcome to the Jungle and being like, wow. You know, like, okay. You know, but I'm not, you know, it's. Well, that's why I wanted to talk to you and I enjoy yeah. conversations off the air where it's like a political show. You know, why would I want everybody who agrees with my opinion? <laughs> You know, that's it's, it's boring, and I want to. So, like somebody. you were describing before, I'm like I'm like bringing a Republican onto CNN. To yeah, talk yeah, to. Or, or or something <laughs> of that nature. Uh, but at the same time, if you're going to disagree with me, like it's some of those shows do, like a Fox brings on yeah. a, uh, a Democrat who's just borderline like a moron or something. They, like when you bring on somebody who's a you, moron, you want to have intense discussion because the the goal right. is to get to the truth and not right. just if, feed. If you bring you know. on a representative of. You know, if you're on Fox, you bring on a representative of a Democrat, and you bring on because a person who's stupid. Mm-hmm. Or if you're at CNN, you want to bring on a representative of a Republican, you bring yeah. on someone that's stupid just to make your point and make yourself seem smarter. Right. That's not what I want either, because I know right. you can easily challenge me, and you know more about music than I do. I can admit that. So that's why I wanted you on. And I appreciate. Well, they don't call me Joe Rock for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you said that way too uh, sultry. That's that's my whole thing. Though. It's like when I'm when I when it, you know you meet artists and you get them to be like, oh, you know, uh, give me an ID for the show. It's like, hey, this is so and so, and you're listening to Joe Rock. They don't call them that for nothing. Like, <laughs> I appreciate that. I don't even know what I get. It's usually like, hey, here's Brando. No relation to Marlon. <laughs> <He's smiling laughs> there you go. 
Uh, I need friends. Uh, well, I really appreciate you know you taking the time. Again, yeah, I, man. I, I, thanks I never, for having me on. You know. Uh, anytime, if you would like to talk GNR, anything related, um, what do we need to get out there about you if, uh, if fans want to, you know, listen to you? Because I know, we, again, we have listeners like from Texas, so probably we have listeners who probably listen to you every morning. EagleSanAntonio.com is the website, and actually, no matter where you are, you can actually stream the station from there. Uh, if you want to tweet to me because you agree with me, uh, that's fine. If you want to tweet to me because you disagree with me, I'll gladly get into an intense discussion with you. Uh, <laughs> my Twitter handle is at J, just the letter J, J Rock on the Eagle. I like that. See, I was looking for your Twitter. I'm like, I couldn't find it. I was like, this guy has a Twitter. I, I you know, I the whole thing is, is I, you know, I don't use it as often as I should. And part of my whole issue with the whole thing was they wouldn't let me have as many letters as I wanted to have. And it's a whole <laughs> thing. It's, yeah, it's, it's a nightmare. That'll be part two of another episode your Twitter fiasco. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, I really appreciate it. You coming on Appetite for Distortion. Uh, again, this is Brando. As far as the next episode of Appetite for Distortion, when is it going to air? Well, in the words of Axl Rose concerning Joe's favorite record, Chinese Democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. You've been listening to the distorted minds of Brando and Scotto, dissecting all things Guns and Roses on Appetite for Distortion. Follow the guys on Twitter at The AFD Show and on Facebook at facebook.com slash The AFD Show. security, I'm going home.